Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What a difference just a few months, couple months can make. Because probably just emotionally invested in a game that he went to, but... I remember our next guest in December just kind of dejected a little bit. Huge Sixers fan, but just like, is it going to be worth it this season? Is it going to be worth watching every single game? And he he has, at least for the most part. Because it just felt like the, the Sixers were going to just be at a dead end. And everything has changed, and now this looks like a legitimate, not only championship or Eastern Conference caliber team, but a championship team and I don't think I am overstating it when I say that I think the Sixers have that look and James Harden's that caliber of player that once he inserts himself into the lineup he automatically makes you along with Embiid a championship caliber team but our next guest is also a championship caliber better he's joining me on the Dr. Glatt Recurrier hairline Dr. Paul Glatt Philadelphia's leading air restoration doctor visit drglatt.com you can follow him at Mark Henry Jr. underscore he is Mark in Philly Mark it's got to feel good, right? As a Sixers fan, as a diehard Sixers fan as you are, how does this Monday feel? Oh, it feels great. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the people out there that were saying that we lost the trade and we're saying, you know, we gave up too much and we're saying this version of James Harden is washed up and it, it's older and who knows how they'll fit together. The, the rumors of James Harden's demise were greatly exaggerated. I think that that much is, is very much clear. And the fact that people were saying he was washed when he was averaging 23, 11, and 8 in Brooklyn. I know. He was a couple of rebounds away from a triple-double. <laughs> like, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just people weren't seeing that he was averaging, you know, the 35 points per game that he averaged one year and were saying, oh, he must be washed up. And when obviously that offense wasn't predicated to what James Harden does best. And everyone's kind of made a joke about it where – James Harden got upset that the offense ran through Kevin Durant instead of James Harden. And I understand Kevin Durant is the best offensive player in my lifetime. The funny thing about it is I think you can make a strong argument that James Harden's second. And the the thing about it is if James Harden is the guy that you're running the offense through, that means that you can also run it through Kevin Durant because he averages 11 assists per game and because James Harden is one of the top five passers in the NBA. If you run it through just Kevin Durant, that ball's going to stop a lot, or that ball's not going to get to James Harden as much as it should for him to create things that wouldn't otherwise happen. So I do think that it's, you know the Nets are still the, t- the title favorites, I believe, and yep. they're definitely still the favorites in the East right now. I think that that is just greatly disrespectful to what James Harden was doing for them last year and even for much of this year when KD was hurt, when Kyrie was you know not playing half the games. I think it was greatly disrespectful for people to say that the Nets won this trade when they were so clearly giving up 
by far the best player and one of the 25 best players in the history of the sport. Basically, a lot of people, and maybe even myself, I thought it was great. Obviously, great trade. I'm not going to say that I thought it was bad. I, I said the Sixers should have waited for James Harden uh, because if they got there, they're going to be a championship-caliber team. But uh, I even think I undersold how good James Harden was. Why Why is that? Like, what is, is it just the free-throw shooting, the amount of volume he gets at the free-throw line? What is it that makes him such a, a hated player right now? And I, I think the, the Sixers, I even got this text from Jeff Parles all the way out there in Vegas saying, like, you better be ready because the Sixers are probably going to be the number one most hated team in the NBA, and they are. Like, why is that, you feel? Yeah, people don't like the foul shooting. Um, That's definitely been a long-term storyline at this point for James Harden. You know, for me, it's a joy to watch for me. Like, I sit around laughing at the things that he does specifically to draw those fouls, and he's not just doing it. I think that there's a notion that people create that when James Harden and when Joel Embiid are what some people say grifting for fouls, when they're doing that, it's not just because, you know, they don't think they can score or they're afraid to to go and try to score. What they're doing is they're getting into the bonus like three minutes into the quarter and they're getting the other star players on the other teams into foul trouble as early as possible. It's beneficial in so many ways to draw the amounts of fouls that James Harden does. And uh, to me, it's just more proof that he's a savant of the game of basketball on the offensive side. He's one of the smartest players in the history of the sport. Yep. And I think another, another one of the reasons that a lot of people kind of give him no credit or no slack at all is because he doesn't have that ring. And let me just – and Daryl Morey's the same way. When anyone tries to say Daryl Morey's a top three, top five GM, it's, oh, where's his ring? Where's his ring? It's the same thing with James Harden as a player. And let me just say, if the greatest knock we have against someone is that they couldn't beat the Kevin Durant Warriors, who were the, the greatest team ever assembled, that's not a strong knock. Like, they, they took the Kevin Durant Warriors seven games, two years in a row, and they were up 3-2 before Chris Paul got hurt and James Harden had to go it alone. And then they had the greatest outlier in history in game seven, missing 27 straight threes. Houston, if they win that series, the narrative on James Harden and the narrative on Daryl Morey completely is different. completely different. But I'm kind of happy it's not because who knows if that narrative leads them to Philadelphia if they do win that ring in Houston. I know, but, and, and it just fits Philadelphia so well. You know, I don't know. It's just their their hungry mentality of you can tell Morey's really wanting to go for it. James Harden wants to be here in Philadelphia because I I think there is a, a he senses that a bit with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is hungry as hell to win a championship. And the way that I don't think Kevin Durant, I know they want to win a championship, but Kevin Durant has a ring. Kyrie Irving has a ring and Joel Embiid doesn't and I think he wants it more than anybody else and that's why he's worked on his game enough to be playing at an MVP level and I think James Harden senses that and fits in very well now as we see through two games it's only two games and two teams that are just okay the Knicks free falling not very good Timberwolves decent team good NBA team but with what you've seen do you see any potential matchup things that wouldn't work well against you know the Nets or Bucks or some of the top teams in the East or is what you saw from the Sixers that can work well against any of these top teams as well I guess I'm just going to be just like I have been every single year of the process as a Sixers fan, like yelling into the void about the backup center position. But that's honestly, that's honestly where I'm at. Like Paul Millsap is so clearly not going to be the guy that is giving us 10 to 12 good minutes in the playoffs. Uh, I I don't think Paul Reed, as much as I love B-ball Paul and what he was able to do for the blue coats, I don't necessarily think he's an NBA player. And then that leaves two guys leaves, 
uh, Charles Bassey, who's a young guy that they've played a little bit here and there, but Doc clearly doesn't trust enough to make the full-time backup center. He's still going back and forth from the G League to the NBA. And then Willie Trill, Collie Stein, who they just brought in, who I actually think is a perfect fit next to Harden. I don't think he's any sort of special player or anything, but he's a rim-running big, and James Harden has shown throughout his career that he can make rim-running bigs look really good. He did it with Nick Claxton in Brooklyn last year. He's done it with plenty of guys in Houston. He was doing it with, like, 40-year-old Nene in Houston. So I, I think that he can make Willie Cauley-Stein a very passable backup center. The problem is Willie Cauley-Stein's only on a 10-day contract right now, and Doc hasn't played him yet. They have been going with Millsap, and they're giving Millsap that first chance at that backup center spot. But, like I said, I, I think I'm as high on the Sixers as anyone. I think they're the best team in the East. But we've seen before that backup center has cost us in the playoffs. And people like to focus on big-picture things. People go back to the Kawhi shot when we lost to Toronto. They don't remember the fact that we were like a plus 90 in the Joel Embiid minutes and a minus 94 in the sparing minutes he wasn't on the court. You look at last year in the Atlanta series, everyone's just going to boil it down to Ben Simmons disappearing in the fourth quarter and Ben Simmons passing that ball in the game seven. But what really also happened was Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard were like minus 15 every single game and killing them in the minutes that Joel Embiid wasn't on the floor. So I just pray that we figure this out and get a backup center in there, whether that be a buyout guy or Willie Cauley-Stein or try, try Charles Bassey or B-Ball Paul. It's clearly not going to be Millsap. So that's my biggest concern right now. I know everyone's going to talk about Furkan and Shake being in the rotation and I understand the complaints, but I think once the playoff comes, I think we can just see Niang and Danny as probably the only guys off the bench besides the backup center. Now, you mentioned Doc Rivers there, and it seemed to be like, okay, you got Harden now, you got Embiid. Like, what's the potential thing that could mess this up? And everybody just immediately pointed to, well, Doc. Doc better not mess this up. And he put in one lineup, one all-bench lineup, when they were up by 20 in the final like couple minutes of the third quarter, and everybody just lost their minds. Uh, when it comes to Doc's lineup rotations that you saw early on in the first two games with Harden, any objections or anything that stood out to you that you go, eh, that's not great? Yeah, I actually think that Doc's done a good job kind of letting James Harden be the coach. In the I agree. James Harden. Yeah been on the floor uh, I, i've been very critical of doc rivers for a long time dating back to boston uh going through his clippers days and then even now uh, in philly obviously i've been a, a vocal critic um but I, I i think he's done a fine job i, I didn't understand playing shake milton in, in minutes in the first and second quarter with james harden and maxi on the floor seems like shake would be a guy if you are going to play him you would want his secondary ball handling when you don't have both of your point guards in the game, that doesn't make a lot of sense for me fit-wise. Um, you know, there's certain little other things where I, I would like to see a little bit more of Maxi with the with the, the backups, but right now they seem to be running with Harden. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tobias. Like, Tobias has been really bad in these first two games, and it hasn't affected us yet. Obviously, our offense has been historically great for two games and drawing so many fouls. There's going to be a time where we need Tobias to be at least a fourth option. It's clear that Maxi has passed him by as the third option, but we're not going to be able to win a title with Tobias Harris having stat lines the way he has the last two games. Well, he did step up in the fourth quarter a little bit. He hit a big three, he had a nice dunk at the end of the game to kind of put it out of reach. But 
Um, he was largely useless for the first three and a half quarters of that game, and that definitely can't be the case on offense. Yeah, that's that's one part. I was focused a lot on Maxi when the the Harden trade was done because I was like, okay, now Maxi's role is more specifically going to change because he's going from the point guard now to the shooting guard. So he's like a literal definition of moving over positions. Tobias isn't, but I think the way they used him or are using him now is a lot different in the way they've been using him, you know, before Harden came and even last year. Tobias has been more in the paints, you know, mid range jumper type of guy. And now he has to move up into just kind of standing behind the three point line, waiting to catch and shoot. And I don't think he necessarily is that kind of player. The thing is though, he is going to get open shots, so hopefully they do end up going down. We're talking with Mark Henry Jr. right now on the Doctor Glad Regrow Your Hairline. Follow him at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. So last thing with the Sixers right now now they're seven to one to win the NBA Finals. Uh, what does that number do for you? Uh, is that right where they should be? You thinking it's a little bit better now because of the way the Sixers have played that you should jump on that number? Just when it comes to futures, what we saw over the weekend, how should we evaluate the Sixers' futures market? It's interesting. I think that it's something we should probably take day by day. I can't imagine that Sixer mania is going to get much higher than it is right now. So. Um, maybe that maybe the best time to be to bet on them in terms of winning the finals or winning the East would be to wait for an inevitable. I mean, I don't think they're going to go, you know, twenty four and zero to finish the year or however many games are left. So I would wait for you know. And the Nets are potentially going to go on a run too, right? When Kevin Durant comes back, like they could look better, the Bucks could look better, and then you know all the spotlight taken a little bit off of the Sixers too. I think that's that's something to to kind of wait for as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of value in betting on an Eastern Conference team to win the title because it, we'll see because Phoenix has struggled now without Chris Paul. And if Chris Paul is not healthy, then this completely changes the landscape of not only the Suns but the West and the whole NBA playoffs. But I was saying all year this Phoenix team was as complete of a team as we've seen since Kevin Durant left the Warriors. So I, I do think it's still going to be hard for us to beat Phoenix. And I do think we'd be underdogs in that series if that if it came to be Phoenix versus Philadelphia in the NBA Finals. So for me, I'm probably just going to, to wait it out and not place any Sixers features as of right now. Maybe that's also because I have so much emotionally invested. <laughs> if the Sixers win the NBA Finals, like that's, that'd be the most meaningful title uh, of any team I've ever followed because of the – Obviously, the you know the process, no pun intended, that led to where we're at right now, uh, and you know how many boomers and how many people were yelling at me about how dumb I was when I was supporting Sam Hinkie in the process, and so, you know the all season people telling me that we should trade Ben Simmons for Harrison Barnes and Karis Levert, uh, while you know I wanted them to hold on to get a superstar. There, there's just so much, uh, you know, and that's maybe that's silly angst in me. Of course, of course, I'm not enjoying winning. <laughs> I'm not enjoying winning a title just by being happy and winning a title. Of course, it goes back to who doubted them and who I had to get in arguments about it with of course, over the last eight years. But, um, yeah, I, I, the, a Sixers title would be so important to me, even more than the Eagles title, even more than the Phillies title, um, because of what led to oh, it. Oh, so, man. Uh, I love that. Yeah. You're, no, you're is- fired up, aren't you? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm as fired up as you could get about the Sixers for sure. Uh, again, we were talking about it off air. They're the team that I'm the least rational about uh, of the teams that I follow. And you, you made a joke, and it's true, because I, I do think that I'd like to think I'm pretty calculated in terms of the way that I gamble and the way that I follow sports um, outside of Philadelphia. Um, and even with the Eagles and the Phillies, I think that I'm pretty able to be objective. But when it comes to the Sixers and a little bit about Notre Dame football, uh, I lose my rationality. Uh, I become an irrational fan. Um, so, yeah, I kind of struggle to bet the Sixers a little bit. If you look at my record in the NBA and then you looked at my record betting on Sixers games this year, <laughs> it has not been great betting on Sixers games. I have not had a good feel on them. But I will say uh, I would take a look at their overs these next couple games. I don't know if Vegas – will completely adjust. I mean, they had it at like 215 against the Knicks last game. If we're going to be taking the amount of foul shots that we get and getting into the bonus as early as we do and stopping the clock as often as we have been, the Sixers overs are going to be uh, an interesting thing to look at, whether that be team total overs or just overs in the game. And they're playing the Knicks next game when the Knicks overs have been an absolute wagon. So that's a little nugget for uh, uh, Knicks are betting. a nightmare, by the way, an absolute nightmare. What isn't, though? Uh, and, and what I you... don't know what anyone's talking about. I, I've, I've had a, a great time watching the Knicks. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as a Philadelphia fan, I've had a great time watching the Knicks, but more so because I've been betting their overs like every game, and it's been a wagon. It's just been an absolute wagon. So you are a wagon when it comes to betting. And college basketball, no, a bit of a cold streak. It happens to the best of <laughs> you. You more than anybody. I will say this about you. You get down yourself during a cold streak way too much because you're up like 100 units one month, and then you're only up like 10 maybe the next. And you're like, ah, oh, this isn't a great month. I'm like, dude, you're eventually going to come back down to earth at some point. Uh, but you're in a bit of a cold streak, but that's all right. I trust you to get out of it, and it's going to happen tonight. We do have one game at 9 o'clock that you do like. Wyoming, uh, San Diego State. I was about to say South Dakota State for some reason. It's San Diego State, I would think, against Wyoming. Uh, who do you like in that game? It is, by the way, South Dakota State, very good team. Also, I was going to say, the Jackrabbits are good. They're, they're very good this year. They, they can be a live 12 seed. But in this game, uh, 9 o'clock out in the Mountain West Conference, this is not a money in the dumpster game because this is a big game. This is probably the biggest game of the night in college basketball. I've got Wyoming plus two versus San Diego State. I get it. This is a trap line. But I'm going to eat the cheese. I'll walk right into the trap because there's been a ton of of Wyoming trap lines this year, and Wyoming keeps stuffing the bookmakers in lockers. They keep getting doubted, and they're 8-2 and two against the spread as an underdog. They've covered seven straight as an underdog. They're 13-0 and 0 straight up at home. This has been a team, I mean, you just look at their overall spread record, they're 16, or they're 17-8-2 against the spread overall. They've been one of the best teams in college basketball against the spread. So I've heard a lot of people saying, because uh, you look at the, the spread numbers and the bet numbers, everyone's on Wyoming because it seems so obvious that they should not be underdogs in this spot. And a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, you're betting with the public, and oh, that's square. Sometimes square picks hit. And I'm going with the fact that I don't think Vegas – 
has given the Wyoming, this Wyoming team enough credit all year long. And I think that continues tonight in a big game against San Diego State. It's a problem. I think that part of what's baking into the spread is the fact that this game is a little bit bigger for San Diego State because they are on that bubble and Wyoming is probably locked into the NCAA tournament so far. So I, I get that the motivation factor might trend towards San Diego State here, but I just think Wyoming's the better team, so give me the points at home. So we have a couple more games in college basketball for tonight. Washington, we got a little bit of a team total here. Yeah, Washington team total overs. That's just this is just me being loyal. I mean, sometimes, especially. <laughs> so I went, I went two and nine on Saturday. Um, I, I don't, run, and that's another thing. You, you said, um, you made a good point before when you said that more than anyone, I get down on myself. You do my all the time team. for no reason at all. Like, yes, you're gonna not hit bets all the time, but you like lose a couple, and you just like I'm the worst better. I'm like, dude, you're up like three hundred units. I, I definitely do, and it's almost out of like a self-deprecating, um, like a point of making sure that people know that I'm taking the losses as seriously as they are if they're tailing me, I guess. Love so, it. Love I, that. I, I guess it's just a little bit of like I, I want to be as transparent as possible. So when I go through these cold streaks, I don't hide from it. Like I publicize it. And I say like, hey, you know, they're not, I'm not always going to be a winner, so I, I got to get back on track. And I did go 2-9. One of those two wins on Saturday – in the worst gambling day of my life was Washington team total over. So I'm, this is just something where you got to go back to the well. And their, their offense has been, you know, it's been pretty disrespected in terms of the overs that they've been set. UCLA does have a good defense here, so I am a little bit trepidatious with, uh, compared to how I have been with other lines. But you look at their last couple of games, 78, 70, 69, 68. They've been uh, a pretty live offense. Um, even getting back to against the game uh, against Arizona, 68, 87 against Arizona State, 69, 84 against Cal. So this has been a team that's went over this total way more often than they haven't. So give me Washington team total over at 64 and a half. But I, I don't like that play quite as much as I do that Wyoming play. But, you know, you got to show loyalty. We're talking with Mark Henry Jr. Follow him at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. And as I'm looking right now at the Park Sportsbook app, Mark, we're starting to see conference tournament odds on the Park Sportsbook app. I don't want to talk about those specifically, but just in general, where you're at with college basketball and specifically the top teams. Because I was hearing uh, Sean Brace and Joe Tanzi argue about the Big Ten and the SEC. You know, which one has the better chance? You know, teams have a better chance to win a national championship. It's been a lot of arguing. But as of right now, as you stand, who are the teams that you're looking at and feeling most confident about as we start heading into the tournament season? Wow, that's a great – so that argument, I'm assuming that Sean was on the side of the SEC yep. knowing how he feels about Kentucky. Yep. And yeah. <laughs> You're a very smart man, yep. <laughs> so I actually think that both sides have great – I think both arguments have great merit. I think I'd have a really tough time um, breaking the tie. I guess I would say because I'm so high on Purdue, even though uh, they have had some concerning games, um, it, it's really close. I, I, I do tend to lean towards the Big Ten. Um, I've been very high on Ohio State and Wisconsin as underrated teams that could make a run in the tournament, and I've obviously been high on Purdue to win the title. There's actually, if I'm going to talk about big picture from a game that just happened, I'm going to look at the Illinois-Michigan game that happened on Sunday. This was this, I'm actually going negative on the Big Ten, so I've been on here <laughs> singing the praises of the Big Ten for, for months now, but I'm going to talk about a game negatively. That's the type of game that I walked away from thinking maybe I have overrated the Big Ten a little bit because anyone who's followed me knows that 
I, I don't think the Illinois team is very good. I think that Cook, they're really relying on Cookie Coburn. Plummer made a million shots in that game against Michigan. But Michigan had everything to play for. They were on the bubble. They were at home. It's a huge game. And their, their crowd showed up, like, in half. It was a 50% full stadium. Apparently it was on spring break. Michigan didn't show up with an effort at all. They gave up over 90 points in the game. And with they played terrible. They shot terribly from three. They shot terribly from the field. And even with all of that from Michigan so poorly, Illinois couldn't put them away. Illinois won the game by, like, six or seven. I don't even know what the final score ended up being. But it ended up being a really close game where, you know, people are going to look at it and go, oh, Illinois with a good win on the road. If you watched it, I walked out thinking – poorly of both teams and then it kind of makes you think makes you look at the teams that those teams have beaten and go oh should i be this high on ohio state should i be this high on wisconsin should i be this high on purdue right now the sec it's hard to argue against how good the sec is especially their top the the top tier sec teams are very top tier oh yeah i mean the sec is they've probably got three top 10 teams in terms of odds i'm not I don't have the odds offhand in terms of the championship, but Kentucky's got to be in the top five. Auburn's got to be in the top five. Tennessee um, has really risen. I actually, um, there, there's a book out there that's, that's offering seed lines. You can bet on seed lines and where a team's going to end up. And I was shocked to see that Tennessee is three, not no three and a half, not two and a half. They are 3.0 right now. And it's like even on both sides. So that means that, that Vegas thinks that Tennessee is going to be a three seed or at least not going to be below a three seed. So that alone means they have a top 12 chance, really, if you look at it mathematically. So, I mean, there's just Alabama. That's another team. Alabama has been disappointing this year at times. They've lost some bad games. They've also, they also beat Gonzaga, and they've shown that they can beat any team in the country. They beat, they beat uh, I believe they beat Kentucky. I, I might have that wrong. Um, I, I, they've won some huge games and the Crimson Tide have showed that when they shoot the ball well from three, NATO's offense is really, really scary. So they're a team that can show up any, any given day. And then that's not even mentioning the must bus. And I, you know, I'm a huge Muscleman guy. I'm a huge Arkansas guy. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. JD Note might be the SEC player of the year. Uh, Jalen Williams, really good player for Arkansas. I mean, they have five, maybe even six. If you want to stretch the LSU, they've been a lackluster recently, but the SEC is really, really good. My, I guess if I had to, I haven't given any sort of take here, so this is bad radio in terms of my part. <laughs> but here's a, here's a take. I will say I think the Big 12 is a teensy bit overrated, especially that middle. I, I think Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech are really good. I don't know if that middle, that Texas, that TCU, that Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yep. I don't know if those teams are as good as people think. Yep. Uh, 100%, especially Texas. They'll eventually be fine, but I think they just started out of the gate very strong and uh, I think kind of uh, going through some issues, I would say, as we enter tournament season. Uh, real quick, though, breaking news, I guess you could say, because you were talking about the Sixers needing to get a backup center. How would you feel about DeAndre Jordan? He was just waived by the Lakers, and it seems like Woj is saying the 76ers have been in the market for a backup center will be aggressive in pursuit of DeAndre Jordan. Is that a yay or nay? Yeah, yeah, why not? Why? I mean, he's a war. Why not? <laughs> better better than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a lob threat. So he makes more sense than Millsap. Paul Millsap, I mean, especially if they're going to commit to James Harden being the guy that, you know, runs with the backups and runs with that backup center for those 10 to 12 minutes that he's going to play, especially more so in the playoffs, because when we're talking about the rotation, we're really talking about what it means in the playoffs. But 
Um, I, I just think that there's a better chance of putting a rim-running type of player with James Harden than there is with a guy like Paul Millsap who's presumably stretching you out a little bit and playing bad defense. I'd rather a guy out there who's going to protect the rim and going to go up for lobs than whether that be Willie Cauley-Stein or whether that be DeAndre Jordan. That, that's the type of player that they need in terms of the center to match with James Harden, whether that be in the buyout, whether that be Willie Cauley-Stein, or whether that be in the offseason with a draft pick or with a, or with a free agency acquisition if, uh, if things don't work out this year with the backup center position. But obviously this year is the most important year when you trade for James Harden. So I would like to see you know, them do something. So if DeAndre Jordan's that answer, I won't, be, uh, I won't be too upset. Yeah, I wouldn't be upset about that. I think he would be a fine backup center. And I think he'd, he'd work well uh, with the Sixers. And uh, Look, and Dwight Howard and Andre Drummond were great and good backup centers. Look, DeAndre Jordan's going to be somewhat similar and better than Paul Millsap and, and Paul Reed as well. Uh, Mark Henry Jr., thank you for joining me. It was good. It's, it feels really great to be talking Sixers in a very positive manner in a way that I haven't felt in a very long time about the Sixers. So good to get you on celebrating what was a great weekend for the Sixers. And hopefully, Mark, we get to celebrate even more very soon. Uh, of course, it's funny because I, when you asked me to come on tonight, like the Sixers played a couple days ago at this point, I guess. So, I, I, no, yesterday. Wow, that feels yeah. like it was like they played in the afternoon. So, it de- yeah, they played in the yeah, afternoon. Wow. So it does feel like a while ago. No, I don't blame you me there. On, <laughs> yeah, when you asked me to come on, I wasn't even thinking about the Sixers all day. I've been crunching, you know, defensive line tape for the NFL draft <laughs> for the Eagles. So we didn't even get to that. A oh, man. different space. So it, it, it's good that we were able to talk some Sixers and get that out because that was just freestyle off the top. Of yeah, my you know we will later on, uh, maybe uh, later on in the week or sometime next week. We do need to get into draft stuff because we had Gerald Colton in here and he was talking about the uh, the NFL Combine. So draft season is very close, and so uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that with you as well as some college basketball. But Mark, thank you for joining me tonight. Always glad to talk some ball with you. Of course. That is Mark Henry Jr. Follow him at Mark Henry Jr. underscore over on Twitter. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.